What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Teeing It Up. I'm your host, Connor, as always, with my co-host, Vladdy, for another episode coming at you a little later in the week. Um, some scheduling difficulties between our personal lives. Believe yep. it or not, between the one hour we do of podcasting a week, we have other, we have outside things we do. We have outside activities. So how's yes, it been, man? How's, um, how have you been since the last podcast? I've been all right. Um, work's kind of getting a little hectic. I think the next couple of weeks are kind of going to swamp me. So that looks unfortunate, but you know, that's just, it is what it is. That's how it goes. We'll see uh, how, how it progresses. But I uh, just came back from golf, as you can see with the hat and the polo on still uh, shot of 46. So not bad for uh, only played nine, not really enough time in the day to, yet to play a full 18 after a, a, a work day. Nor do I know if I have the energy. I was kind of just exhausted by hole seven. And I think my scores kind of reflected with a couple of triples to end it. So could have been better, which, you know, for me, 46, Amy in a 92 is pretty good. So we're getting there. We're getting there. But nothing really. Just kind of just kind of enjoying life, still hanging out and killing time. What about yourself? Enjoying life is always good. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying life. I finished school earlier in the week for the year. Uh, starting work on Monday. Uh, so I've been chilling all week, been hitting some, going to the range every day this week, playing around uh, the old Forest Acres East track in East Lansing. Oh, no. I played that for probably the first time in two years. Um, oh, it was wow. fun to go back, see it. It's not, it's seen, definitely seen better days at this point. <laughs> we'll just say that. Um, but yeah, I tore it up there. So. I feel like, I feel like Acres East always kind of took a while to kind of get in season because at points of the course, it always flooded and you had like just certain parts that were inaccessible. And then, but once, obviously, once you kind of hit the summer days, I think it, it, it turned into a pretty decent course for the money that you're going to pay. Yeah. They definitely upped the prices. Um, I mean, Not I paid like does. a, uh, yeah. Uh, and I don't get the student rate anymore. Why like would I, you? I don't know. Because well, I'm not just, a student. Why don't you just tell them you're a student and show them your old ID? I just, I was I was so like kind of like proud to say like any discounts. Also, I don't carry around my MSU ID. I wouldn't have thought. I didn't really think about that. Uh, I was like, yeah, I'm an alumni because there is an alumni discount, but I think it's like five bucks off instead of ten. Oh, so. Them. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, yeah. So I just been chilling. Um, kind of boring i'll be honest i'm ready to start work again on monday uh like yeah i don't really like i'm at a loss for words because i've kind of been not knowing what to do with myself for the last three days so it's probably going to continue tomorrow so be, it's good to have some social interaction i guess when everyone else is doing stuff productive during the day so then it kind of that kind of reminds me of the episodes we did it, oh, w- during your winter break where you were kind of also in that little like, well, what am I doing? Like, there's no school right now. So, yeah, it's it's weird. And it's I had this epiphany and I, I really when I worked the year before, I tried to get out of it uh, of just like the not coming home from the nine to five and just like having dinner and then just like watching sports or TV all night. Like trying to find, not every night, but like some nights finding something else to do that's like productive for your brain or body or something that's just not sitting there and watching TV after work. Um, and like it's easy to do that when you have to do school at night. But now that it's like I'm 
going to go back to that nine to five. Like it's like, what, I don't know what to do myself in the evenings. Mm-hmm. So I see first world problems. Oh, absolutely. Um, so anyways, uh, lots of sports action to get into some live action stuff. Uh, we're going to conclude with a little Tigers rare baseball recap. Um, they played good enough to deserve a mention. Maybe not a, a true in-depth conversation quite yet, but a mention. Do we want to? Uh, I was going to say, do we want to start with the NFL schedule just because this is kind of the thing that has just been coming out last couple of days oh, with the yeah. leaks, and it's kind of, I guess, the the bonus of us starting this episode late, a couple of days late, as we actually get to talk about this. Yeah. So the NFL schedule obviously came out um today i do not like that they kind of did this like bits and pieces throughout the day thing just like dump the schedule yeah it's it's not like the draft lottery or whatever like i i completely agree but it is the nfl they're gonna milk everything people are gonna continue to lap it up and i mean you kind of saw that today i mean I feel like I was talking with friends about certain games from morning time to now still. So it's just one of those where the NFL knows they, they own everything. Um, Speaking of owning everything, I don't know if you saw, they've got a full Christmas day slate, but basically told the NBA up yours. We're going to steal this day from you as well. I believe it's a Sunday this year. Christmas is on a a Sunday. It's a Monday. Monday. So okay, they got so three, they got three games on Monday. They're just they're stealing the. I don't even know if the NBA is going to schedule games on Christmas Day if they know the NFL is doing it. Well, they did this last year. They had three games last year. Did they? I was. They had at least they had at least two last year, um, and I thought that was mostly because it was a Saturday after college football, so that they could kind of take advantage of it. But if they're doing if it's now on a Monday and they're still doing this, then that's an even like they're slowly like. It's like their middle finger is turning into a half chub to a full-on finger yep. being raised. No, they're just I, – I, again, I think it will be really curious to see what the NBA does like when this season concludes and they start getting scheduling for next year. Do you even try going at the NFL? Because you're not going to win that battle. Well, uh, yeah, I don't – like – but you need – as the second, second biggest league in America, you need some kind of shtick, I think. And, like, Christmas Day is their shtick. To where, like, even if the NFL is going to take it over, I feel like they're going to get more just because everybody has, like, sits there and does nothing on Christmas, anyways. Yes, but football is football. If both of those sports have a full slate, like, if you have three NFL games and four NBA games or five, whatever they normally do, the NFL is going to outdraw them in every single game. And I don't even think it'll be close just because of what football means. Curious. I'll be curious to see what they do next year. Um, if Christmas is a Tuesday on a day that is not like a day that's got scheduled that, for football. Yeah. So that, that would be interesting. I'll be interested. It'll be interesting to see what they do at that point. Do they still continue the takeover where you could justify it as like, well, they would have had some games on that day anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming they're doing a full, if Christmas is a Sunday and a full slate of games on Christmas Eve is going to be awesome. Being a Sunday. Yes. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just thought that was something interesting when I saw it. I guess you make a good point. Monday is actually typically an NFL day, so what's one game versus three? Um, but with the schedule, though, I feel like we just maybe quickly go over the Lions' schedule and kind of say some quick thoughts. Um, obviously, the big one, we open up the season, not just our season. We open up the NFL season at Arrowhead, the Chiefs, um, Mahomes, the Lombardi Trophy, Parades, the Lions. I think it's 
I absolutely love this game for a multitude of reasons. I'll kind of let you take the first couple uh, minutes of this, and then maybe I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off something you might say or maybe counteract whatever you might go with. So where, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's uh... – my first thought is with like the Thursday night games in general that we're getting on top of this one is like the league, the league is somewhat buying into the hype of the Lions that I think we have this bubble we have in Detroit uh, going into this season. So at least uh, it feels good to me to be acknowledged by the rest of the league, I guess, that there is some hype because they're not going to put just like the two years ago Lions um, to get, at, for lack of a better term, e- eaten alive by the Chiefs in the first game of the season. Like, it's the Chiefs versus a, a, a team that they feel can contend with the Chiefs to start the season. Um, other than that, I mean, I guess I don't really have any other thoughts of, like, other than, like, it's nice to see that the league is somewhat buying into the hype that the mm-hmm. Detroit bubble has for this team. For me, like I, I looked at it from a different way. I looked at it from uh, the perspective we knew we were going to play the Chiefs. We knew that. I guess maybe there was some thoughts. Was it going to be one of the international games? Because I know the Chiefs are hosting one, and the Lions haven't played in, in an international game, and I think in almost a decade. But when I look at it, I love the I love the situation because, in my opinion, it is almost a no lose for the Lions. And when I say no lose, obviously you can lose the game, and it's one loss. But Let's say you go out there and you get blown out. It's a great reality check for the team because come September, they will be going on to month five or six of people stroking them and telling them, oh my God, it's the fourth best team in the NFC, the third best team in the NFC, the second best team in the NFC. Look at the improvement. Look at the hype. The dip. They will have heard that all summer. And, you know, we can say, oh, we don't, players don't pay attention to the noise. They might not pay attention, but they hear it. And sometimes that might creep in. So let's say they blow us out. It's a reality check. It's a, hey, we're not there yet. We need to get back down to what we are doing. That's one scenario. Let's say there's the scenario of you, you play them straight up, you lose, whatever. You know, there's in the NFL, there's no committee. You don't get points for a beauty loss. There's no moral victories. A loss is a loss. But my thought process is losing in week one to Kansas City is – much, much better than losing to Kansas City in week 15 when you're chasing Minnesota for a division title, when Minnesota's chasing you for a division title when you're neck and neck. We all assumed that the Chiefs game would be a loss. Just get it over with. And then obviously on the off chance you win, you win. You know, you, you show up after week one, expectations through the roof. You just beat the Super Bowl champs at their place. So I just think that Yes, you might, you you're, might, you probably will start the season 0-1, but I don't think in any scenario is it a loss based on when you have to play. I like that. Uh, I do agree with the, like, get it out of the way thing. I am slightly worried about it. you saying it being a wake-up call, but it's slightly working the opposite way in that you get your first, uh, excluding Thanksgiving and, I guess, the Sunday night game that, ended up not meaning anything uh wow that was a sick oh how do you miss that sorry uh you haven't played a primetime game in two years and to go out and be this the opening game of the entire league and say you do go out there and get embarrassed and lose by 30 
Like, I'd be a little worried about that working the opposite way of it not being a wake-up call, but it destroying their confidence early. That's fair. I could see that. Um, And I guess that maybe that would be where Dan Campbell earns his money as kind of a mental coach versus X's and O's coach. But that's certainly a fair point. I just think that I guess I took the positive side of this is a team that does have the culture that we've, we've claimed is there, that that believes in everything. So I I, I just love the way we get Kansas City. Um, I, I feel like maybe we can just run through the last couple of games and just let everyone know what we see. I mean, week two, Seattle at home, that, that'll be fun because they kind of showed up here last year at Ford Field and – Kind of took us to to the cleaners, but I don't think we forced we didn't force a single punt. Gave up forty eight points to Geno Smith, and I understand it turned out to be a playoff team, and so what they were good. But at the time, we all thought the Seahawks would be one of the worst teams in football, tanking for a QB. Um, then you get Atlanta at home. That should that should pretty much be a win. If it's not, you've got issues. Um, Green Bay kind of opens up there after probably two two decent opponents. Yeah. To no, and that's the thing though. I know I was talking to you just now before this. There's, I don't really feel like there's a quote unquote murderer's row to this schedule. I mean, Chiefs, Seahawks, Falcons, Packers, Panthers, Bucks. Those are your first six games. I mean, there's obviously it's the NFL. You can never take a day off. I mean, the Panthers showed us that last year where they dashed our playoff hopes, but not, all of that seems winnable bar the Chiefs, obviously. I mean, the Ravens on the road, not that easy. Then you get the Raiders at home. Then you get the bye week, week nine, which I love because we don't have to do this whole play 14 games in a row like we had to last year. Chargers on the road, probably a loss. Then you get the Bears and the Packers in two back-to-back divisional games. I like that. Saints and Bears on the road. Broncos at home. Vikings on the road. Cowboys on the road. Vikings at home to end the season. Yeah, there's no, you're right. There's no true murder schedule. I'll say like, the last four games, you're probably playing four teams in a row that are going to be above 500. Yep. But, like, I, I don't necessarily think – none of those four are, like – I say they're all going to be above 500. I don't consider any of those three teams in those last four games as legit Super Bowl contenders. Yes, so. none of them are in that top tier of, oh, my God, it's the Chiefs. Oh, my God, it's Josh Allen. Oh, my God, it's Joe Burrow. None of them are in that. So, again, I – I think this is an uh, this is a great schedule for us. I mean, I think we we talked about this right before we started. The two Vikings games at the end, we don't think it's a coincidence. Those are the two teams that are kind of I don't even say rumored because it's not a rumor. They are the presumed front runners in the NFC North. So if you can have if the NFL can sit there and showcase two games to basically kind of determine the division, I think they're going to capitalize on that. Probably flex one if not both into prime time if they're not there already and. We'll kind of go from there, but I don't have much more to say about the schedule. Like I said, I think it's a favorable one for us. I like the situations. I like the the layout of it. So I'm, I'm very excited for the season. Yeah. Uh, I think we can move on to playoff talk. Playoff talk. Where are we starting? Uh, let's start in the National Hockey League. Uh, I wanted to start by kind of in our hockey world talking about uh, the draft lottery that was, um, since this Connor Bedard is pretty much the best prospect or the most hyped prospect since Connor McDavid eight years ago. Um, Chicago got the pick. Some were surprised. I mean, 
There was not a lot of jumping at all uh, in spots. I don't think anyone moved in the lottery besides Chicago um, had the third highest odds and they ended up going from three to one. Anaheim moved down from one to two and Columbus from two to three. I'll tell you right now, it would have been kind of cool to see him in Columbus because they do have Columbus is a weird one where they a bunch of injuries this year and have a couple pieces like Goudreau and Line where he would actually go in and play with a couple superstars on the first line right away. Um, Conspiracy theory, they weren't going to let him go to Columbus or Anaheim as far as hockey markets. Chicago is by far the biggest of those three. Makes the most sense. Um, Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane are now gone, removed, off the roster this year. It's officially a new regime. Obviously, after all the uh, uh, scandals that happened uh, that have been highlighted over the last couple of years, they're kind of in a disarray as an organization. Um, top down, it's a new new system and new approach, and now they're going to get this generational talent. Um, so good for them. They're lucky. Um, yeah. I was just going to say, does the NHL draft odds kind of go similar to the NBA where they do equal for, like, the worst teams, or is it ju- is it actually, a, like, kind of a descending order based on worst to best and kind of like the NFL but with a lottery as opposed to just slotting you in based on record? I think it, it is worst to best. Um, but it's like the difference between first and second is like a couple percent, mm-hmm. or very little. Okay. Uh, I say, oh, uh, talking about the conspiracy theory, it's not like it's to me, it's not like some of the ones that have been in recent years, like Alex Refrenier in 2020. Like the Rangers were only not a playoff team because of the bubble where basically everybody that wasn't statistically eliminated made it. And then they, they, I think they would have, they were the first wild card slot and they somehow lost in the bubble round. And so they were like 14 ended up coming in 14th to last. And somehow they got the first overall pick after actually being a playoff team and getting the second overall pick the year before and being the Rangers. That's reason for concern as far as, Conspiracy theories this year, I really don't see that. Um, and then for the playoffs, um, second round, I'll be honest, hasn't quite had the the juice that the first round had. I do think there's a level of they go so hard in the first round that there's just like, wow, how did he miss that? Take a step back. Um, the biggest story um, after last night, Toronto avoided a sweep after making it out of the first rounds for the first time since 2003 they avoided what would have been basically just as bad in my opinion i still think if they don't win saturday night that whole t- team and that whole roster is chopped done nada they have not come out at all florida people thought maybe they'd take a step back after getting lucky against the bruins no they look the same team they look like they're an actual stanley cup contender right now uh their core four in toronto has been terrible before last night, uh, the core four being Nate Newander, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews. Um, before last night, where uh, Newander and Marner both scored the two goals in a 2-1 win, none of them had scored. I believe there were only two points in three games between the four players. It's unacceptable. Um, I'm going to talk about a different roster a little later on that doesn't have any superstars and still finds a way to win. But at the same time, if you have those superstars, they need to be on – and they need to win. We'll talk about guys like James Harden, Steph Curry, 
guys that have stepped up in the moment and been the star. This core hasn't done that. And they're gonna they're gonna one of them is gonna get traded. The Dubis, the GM, is gonna be let go. Sheldon Keith, the head coach, is gonna be fired. This core is not a winning core, and it's being highlighted again after an abysmal second round performance. How long have they been together? Like if you had to pick uh, the four. This is probably year four. Yikes. Year three, year four. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what year Tavares came over. Tavares was the only one of those four that wasn't drafted. Um, Yeah, just just curiosity for myself. Uh, The next one I wanted to talk about, great series, not great games. Uh, We'll get into another series that's like that. Vegas and Edmonton is currently tied at 2-2. Great series, super physical, has been very chippy. Lots of fights, lots of action like that. Meanwhile, none of the games have been particularly close. Um, I believe game one was close. Game two was a 5-1 win for Edmonton. Game three was a 5-1 win for Vegas. And then last night was a 4-1 win for Edmonton. Uh, Kind of similar to, I'll compare basketball, the Lakers-Warriors, where we haven't had a lot. It's been a good series, but there haven't been a lot of good games. Um, Edmonton is clearly when Connor and Leon are on, they're not going to lose. And that you give them power plays, they're not going to lose. They're going to score. They're scoring on the power play at almost 50%. Just for reference, a good power play is like 22, 23%. Uh, so, yeah, it's historically good. They were awful in game three, and they got pounded. They were good in game four, and they won. It's kind of as simple as that for Edmonton. Um, guys like Ryan Gucci Hopkins and Evander Kane haven't been really great as supporting cast to them. I don't necessarily think them getting a ton of points is essential, but they do need to be good. Also, if they want to win, uh, Jack Eichel in his first kind of playoff run is kind of heated, heated up a little bit, especially in game three. Uh, I expect that one to go seven, to be honest. I think a lot of people have Edmonton going really far because of the McDavid effect. Um, but I think Vegas is a good enough team that's, that's going seven the way that's going. Uh, New Jersey, Carolina, they're playing right now. New Jersey facing elimination. It's 2 2. Uh, they just got off the ice for the second, end of the second period. Uh, another series, although it hasn't been a great series because it's 3 1. Every single game in this game, this has been a blowout. 5 1 game one, 5 1 game two, both for Carolina. New Jersey won 8 3 in game three, and then Carolina won 5 1 again in game four. Carolina just kind of plays this hard nose. They're a little better, more veteran team that's been in it. Hasn't made a ton of deep runs, but has been in the playoffs year in and year out with a lot of that core. Uh, and their discipline kind of shows against kind of what's a free-flowing, uh, offensive, quick-style game that's New Jersey. Um, the only bright spot has been Jack Hughes. He looks special. He was the first overall pick um, in 2019. He's coming into form as a legit superstar. He went off for 99 points this year. He's been great in these playoffs, specifically this series. Uh, he had four points in the 8-3 to three win. Um, yeah, I don't really see – this is a good game right now, but I don't really see the way Carolina plays is so disciplined and so just like in your face and 
not giving up a ton of chances. I don't see New Jersey being able to come back from 3-1 just because they don't – Carolina just doesn't give you enough. They don't have a lot of superstars, but they have a lot of guys that can play, and Rob Bergamore's got a great system there. Um, so I expect them to, to if, if they don't win tonight, win game six. Yep. Um, the last series is, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of this. Uh, they're, the other late West Coast series is the, Dallas and Seattle. Seattle is kind of this team of destiny surprise. It's, the series is tied at two. Seattle is this team with four, what I've been describing as four second lines is that they have a lot of good, solid players. They don't have a single superstar on that team. They don't have a single 100-point guy, 90-point guy. They just have a lot of good players. They remind me of the 2019 St. Louis Blues team with, like, Ryan O'Reilly, Tarasenko. Bennington was good in net, uh, good defenseman, went four lines deep, and just they have a lot of good, solid players. Nobody that's going to light up a score sheet, but a lot of good, solid players, and that's what you need come playoff time. And so it's worked. Uh, Dallas won the other night to tie up the series. I don't know if they can do it. Miro Heiskanen, um, arguably coming in, he's our age. He's probably a top 10 defenseman in the league now. Uh, I'm curious to see if they'll be able to do it without him. I don't think they can. He's kind of that much of a difference breaker. And Jason Robinson, Robertson, after a great regular season, has kind of had a mediocre playoff. Um, I played with him. Um, good kid. So hope, hopefully you can turn it around. And, nice, yeah. subtle, nice subtle flex there. Where did it all go wrong for you, Gunner? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things that, that went wrong for me, but uh, I think it was more he got a lot better and I didn't. But uh, <laughs> Nice. Anyways, that's your NHL recap. Like I said, not quite as exciting of the second round as the first round had been. I mean – Vegas and Edmonton is going to go seven. Um, this Dallas-Seattle will go seven. Um, but the other two series have kind of been stinkers. So. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of that, that. Then it kind of seems like the NBA and the NHL kind of flipped. A lot of the NBA series are pretty good. Um, some of them have kind of mimicked the way you said. Um, good series, but not a lot of close games. Kind of just trading blowouts. Um I'll start with the Heat and the Knicks. So we mentioned last week uh, the Heat stole game one with Jimmy Butler getting hurt. Game two was a Knicks win. Then game three was blowout for the Heat. Then they then the Heat kind of protected the home court advantage, won game four. And then they were they were kind of behind New York for most of game five. There was a point in, with a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter where they drew close to within a a few possessions and maybe kind of got that uh, Madison Square Garden crowd nervous. They're like, is this our season ending? But they couldn't, they couldn't fix it. Or fix it. They couldn't, they couldn't close it out. They're heading to game six, up three to two tomorrow. You would expect them and you would kind of hope. Uh, I think I've kind of jumped on the Miami Heat bandwagon in this series. I don't know if it's because it's a New York team and it's like the Knicks, you're not supposed to like them. Or it's because Jimmy Butler and you are supposed to like him, but I've kind of jumped on the Heat bandwagon. So hopefully, hopefully they can close it out in Game Hemi. Six. Hemi. Don't what? Himmy. Ah, Himmy Butler. You're right. Yeah. Don't don't want to go back to Madison Square Garden and don't want to play in that hostile environment. So there's that series. Um, Without Jalen Brunson too. Yeah. I mean, wait, what? 
Jalen Brunson hasn't played at all for the Knicks. You mean Julius Randle? No, Jalen Brunson. He played in game one. Oh, I, I could have sworn he got hurt. You, you sure you're not talking about J, uh, Julius Randle? Pretty sure Randall's played all the games. Oh, I mean, I guess I'm I'm not seeing Brunson in the later game, so yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, I, I guess I saw Brunson in game one, didn't see him in the others. All right. Um hey, good catch. Um next series, Lakers Warriors. This was supposed to be the series of series, and it's really kind of been four games that have been you kind of know who's gonna win for most of the time. And then one game that was amazing, game four was great on Monday night. Um Kind of in typical Warriors fashion, I was I stayed up late watching that game, and I was kind of telling myself, I do not understand how Steve Kerr has not lost his mind with the way that team plays. But then I kind of like flip-flop, and I devil's advocate it with the goal of basketball is not to have less turnovers than the other team. The goal is to score more points than the other team. And if the way you do that is by playing loose and occasionally playing sloppy, you just have to live with it. But the way the Warriors lost that game, and in the last minute and a half, they had a couple of shots to take the lead, a couple of stupid turnovers, one by Draymond Green where he ran to the corner and jumped without realizing he has no passing option, so he just threw it somewhere, went right to a Lakers player, and then later, right before the end of the game, Steph Curry grabs the ball, is falling to the ground with possession. They have a timeout, and instead of taking that timeout, he just throws it backwards over his head into the first row of the crowd, and it's like, what are you doing? But, I mean, Lakers have a chance. Game six at home tomorrow night to close out the Warriors. Um, I'll be up I'll be up late for that. Should be incredibly exciting. Um, well, again, I, I don't really know what's going to happen. I think so much of it relies on Anthony Davis because he is this just big swing factor of you're going to get 30, 20, and 8 one game, and the next game he's going to be just a corpse looking like somebody who, I mean, looking like a shame to beat. And it's like, well, what happened to you, man? So I think a factor in this series is, uh, like, to me, it, that I've tried to appreciate and watching some of it, um, besides the fact that it's super hard to stay up for those games, um, is the – you are – like, they're going to make documentaries about, like, this series. Like, in every book, like, like, you're looking at probably the two best players of our generation. Yes. Uh, the core – the three, Draymond, Clay, Steph Curry, core, and Gold State, it's going to be talked about for years on end. It's going to be the last dance type thing 20 years from now that we talk about oh you remember when like lebron at 38 played curry at 34 and like i don't know it, I, it makes me appreciate the series a little more despite there not being that many good individual games yeah i actually didn't think about it that way but you're completely correct this is kind of the the dynasty of our generation the institution of our generation and lebron james just you have the lakers the historical franchise involved in it you have Golden State's big three. That's actually that's a great point. Um, we'll see what again. I would love for there to be a game seven. I think that would be an amazing kind of Sunday afternoon type deal for everyone just kind of sit down in front of their TV and get a kick out of it. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I think I, I mentioned AD. I think Steph's supporting uh, Steph supporting uh, staff needs to also step up. I mean Jordan Poole looks Oof. like he traded. He looks. 
he had a better game last night, but he looks like he's ready to join Dylan Brooks in China. He's been terrible. Clay Thompson was supposedly waiting for this his whole life because his dad was an announcer or a player. I don't even know the connection. And this is the team he grew up a childhood fan of. And it's like, well, you should probably show that instead of bricking 15 shots a game. So they, he had the one good performance in game two where I think he put up 30, 30 points. And then since then he misses 30 shots a game. So we'll see. We'll see what Clay does. But yeah, LeBron and Steph are kind of what you expect. They're the two best players of the generation. Still two of the six or seven best players in the world at the moment. And it's 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 a pleasure to watch them. Oh, just Clay Tom I'm looking up right now. Probably 33. 33. Yeah. I mean, after that, kind of going to the 76ers and the Celtics, this has also kind of been a good game, a good series, but filled with some games where you kind of expected the team that was ahead most of the time to win. Um, the 76ers are up 3-2. They're actually playing as we speak. It is halftime with the Celtics having a seven-point lead. I'll probably tune into the second half of that game, see how it goes, see if the 76ers can kind of close out the Celtics and maybe we'll see what happens to Boston from there because that would be another year of them kind of falling short and another year of failure in my opinion for them. Yeah. This just kind of popped in my head with the Celtics with that core is it, they kind of seem like Toronto and that they just seem like a core that's not going to win together. Like that's yeah. good. And it has, has star power, but that's just like, isn't is just simply isn't going to win a title together. So, I, I just on a, uh, on a quick side note, when you said feels like Toronto, I instantly thought, would the Raptors won a title with Kawhi? And then I was like, wait a minute, we were talking hockey right hockey. now. I, yeah, no, I, I caught myself before I said anything. I was just really confused for about half a second. But no, I, I think I completely agree. It, I don't want to say it seems like there's some friction between Brown and Tatum, because who, who are we to know that? But something always just seems off. I don't know if it's coaching i know they've they ran through may udoka brad stevens with his sudden retirement i don't even know who they have it tazula or matsula i don't know what his name is he's a young guy um maybe there's something with the coaching that's an issue but you think about i mean this is an incredibly deep team they are loaded they are they are built for the now and if they they fail this year i don't know how many more chances they get at it maybe next year with, with one last shot and then it's it's probably a good night because you'll be paying Tatum and Brown $115 million a season between the two of them. You're not going to have any money left over for the rest of your team. Yeah, this this is frustrating because as much as I love to see the Celtics go down, James Harden and Joel Embiid on the same team together is the most like hair pulling. Team yeah, they're not. Ever. They're not. They're not much more likable. Um, first of all, Joel Embiid like uh, the game Sunday night. Like, when he was just flopping around like a fish. Yeah, and he looked like he was like gonna have a heart attack there on the court, and like he had to have PJ Tucker give him a a pep talk to get him through a game. Like, where, where, how? I understand he's been injured a little bit, but how bad is your conditioning that you look this out of shape in a playoff? Game? It looked like if like like my dad went to the Y and tried to play basketball with a bunch <laughs> of people our age. Hey, no slandering the MVP like that. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, sorry, the MVP. But that's what it that's what it looks like. I'm sorry. No, I I completely agree. And honestly, I think I'm kind of rooting for the 76ers to kind of close it out because I think the added element of Jimmy Butler versus former team, I think that'll be a great storyline for an Eastern Conference Finals. 
you had, I think it was, I think was it, it was if it was the bubbler a year or two before or after that, where you have the video of him walking off the court where I think he eliminates the 76ers and he's just screaming, Tobias Harris over me? Tobias Harris over me? And it's it's crazy to think about that at one point that decision was made. Jimmy Butler was on that team and he was moved. Yeah. I kind of forget about that. Um, but yeah, not much more to say there. Um, and I think that kind of leaves us with what does that leave us with? The Nuggets and the Suns. Um, yeah. I'll be that, honest, I haven't seen, other than Ishbia stuff, I haven't seen anything on this series. Yeah, I haven't seen much at all. I, I probably will try and stay up tonight just because it could be a closeout game and will be kind of cool to see the, all, all the star power. But it's just kind of been teams protecting home court. Not really, I don't think, much more to say about that, you know. Yeah, maybe that that's that's probably on me not watching as many games. Yeah, you you mentioned the Ishbia issue. I don't know if you saw them kind of resolve it in Game Five, which was kind of yeah. funny. But... With Mel Tucker right next to them. Yeah, with Mel Tucker chilling on the sideline, sitting. Yeah, this guy's never gonna fire me. I'm taking nine and a half million from this university for life. I, I'm taking nine and a half million forever, and Ishbia's got me courtside for playoff games. This is a nice, and I only got to win five games a year. This is a nice life. <laughs> oh, Lord, Michigan State is in a world of trouble. Um, I don't have too much more about the NBA. I mean, we kind of covered the series. Two closeout games tonight, one going on, one will be going on. Did we ever talk about the Peyton Thornton and J- uh, Keon Coleman stuff on the podcast? I don't think we did. What a travesty that is. Like, you want it. Michigan State fans played their their own hand in wanting a quarterback controversy, yes. in my opinion, that you pushed the guy out of the school. Yes. I, I completely agree about the Peyton Thorne thing. Um, you mentioned it's it's really funny how so much of this fan base was screaming, Noah Kim. Right. Or, no, no, no. Noah Ham. Right. And now we want to complain when he's gone. Yeah, and then and, and he walk. Yeah, he walks away, goes down to Auburn, and it's like, wait, It's like, what do you want? Yep. What do you want? Yeah, we, my we, thing is like, he had two and a half years to be the starter behind Peyton Thorne. Yeah, and he and hasn't won the yeah, job. I I agree with that. The one thing I will say is. As we kind of defend Peyton Thorne here, I don't think he's the biggest miss. I mean, we kind of saw a lot no. of what he was without Kenny Walker last year. Right. Um, we'll also kind of see what happens without him throwing to his uh, high school friend, Jaden Reed, who did you know they went to high school together? Uh, I didn't. Thanks for reminding me. No. You know who else went to high school together? Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford. Ooh, really? Yeah. I don't Scotty Shepard went to their high school too? Did he actually? I, I did not know that if you, if you did. Yeah. Was he a little? He had to be younger because he's Scotty's late twenties, right? Yeah. Okay. So Scotty was that kid in like sixth grade running around behind the football field when Stafford was throwing dimes. Exactly, just on the golf course. Yeah, but no. Um, Keon Coleman losing him is kind of unfortunate because. I think I, I kind of really fell in love with him. I know I spent so much of last season, I think even a little bit of the season before, just kind of screaming, don't ever let him play basketball again. Like, he isn't. Yeah. He, I think based on the body and based on the kind of the way he was able to high point balls and kind of bring in these contested catches, I think he is an NFL receiver. So, 
Yeah. Um, I was definitely more bummed about him going, but like he's he still hasn't announced where he's going, right? He's still in the portal. In the portal, I've seen that he is going to fall into Auburn. I've seen LSU. I've seen a couple of different things. So yeah, I mean, the only thing I can really add to this, um, and I think this is specifically for Keon because it seems like this was more of Keon's issue was. I absolutely despise the fact that teams can openly tamper with a player who's not in the portal yet. Like yeah. you, if you, you read kind of what happened, this was teams talking to him back in January saying, Hey man, like if you stay with Peyton Thorne, your draft stock isn't going to be there. Hey man, like look at your draft yeah, stock man. over here. And it's like, he's not in the portal. You can't talk to him, but obviously right. the NCAA is still too busy being that spoiled child he didn't get his way for the first time in his life, crying in the corner. Man, I don't want to pay the players. They can't make money. I need to sit there and make billions off them while pretending to be a non-profit. Yeah. Uh, I also think the NIL had to play it. Like, you need to, st- you need to step up your game as an NIL factory But they did. So, MSU did. I was listening to, uh, I was listening to, I think it was 97-1, because uh, what was it, Rico's got, like, he's kind of connected to university. He said they paid him twice. They paid him the year before and then the year after to come back. So it's not like he was sitting there on, hey, buddy, we'll get you, like, a nice four-for-four meal from Wendy's, like, every once a week. Like, he was making some good money here. Obviously, again, there is a level like we cannot compete with the Florida States, the dudes who've got man, the Miamis of the world who are running around with Manny Diaz or not Manny, no, whatever. No, Manny Diaz is the former coach. Whatever booster they got who's dropping $10 million for Jaden Rashada. Well, obviously, we can't compete. Oh, no, no. Chris Ball's a coach. I'm talking about the billionaire donor they got down there. Um, I forget. I his name escapes and it really pisses me off. But moral of the story, like we don't like again. We have Ishbia, and we actually we have a pretty good NIL program set up, from what I've heard, based on the way they kind of collaborate with the stuff they got between university and donors. But there's the different level of Southern money and what money means to them, and what football means to them down there versus what it means to Don Ruiz. Yes, that guy. Yeah, he was the guy who gave the quarter, the one, the four star quarterback, like ten million dollars to come to Miami before, like. They pulled it or something, uh, something right. like that. So it's absurd. It, we're going to miss Keon Coleman. Assuming, I mean, I think at this point uh, he's probably almost assuredly gone. I guess we'll see what happens. Um, maybe one of these weeks we do a Michigan State kind of themed football episode and just kind of talk about hopes for the season and whatnot and expectations. But We'll see. I mean, we want to get to the Tigers. I know they they seem like the most noteworthy thing right now revolving around Michigan sports, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, the Tigers are hot. Uh, seven of their last nine, I believe it's 15 of their last 25. A pitching staff that many thought would be terrible has been good. Bats heating up. Haven't been amazingly great, but have been better. Javi Baez is hitting strikes. Spencer Torkelson is getting some hits. Riley Green looks awesome. Uh, the other guys that look okay. Miguel Cabrera is looking pretty in the dugout. 
Uh, and I wanted to really shout out who has been great and who uh, a signing from last year's big spending spree. I, I say that in quotations. Um, is Eduardo Rodriguez. He's been nothing short of fantastic. One run in his last five starts, two in his last six. He's going deep into games, six, seven, eight innings, his last three, four outings, which is really unheard of this age to go more consistently go more than six innings. Um, his ERA for the year is under two. Um, I mean, yeah, it with the Tigers in general, 17 and 19, only two games back of the Twins. Yeah, a lot of this is bad division. You you get more bad teams playing, and the fact that you're 17 and 19 and in a playoff hunt still is crazy. Um, but it's now mid May, and Tigers are still playing meaningful baseball, which is a lot more than you can ask for. It's just something to be excited about. I think it's really easy for not even baseball fans to get excited because they play every day. You can just go, oh, like, look, the Tigers won again today. You don't actually have to watch. And that when they're fun and they're meaningful games, it's something to root for. And the Tigers haven't given you that um, in at least the last four seasons. They have not even been competitive. Uh, Some of the early on rebuild teams were like, at least competitive until like the All Star break, maybe. Oh, I see. Okay, uh, I see what you're saying. But like, there's the last four years, most of these teams have been out of contention at this point, and that's not the case this year, which is a rare circumstance. And it's 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 sad that I'm like we're mentioning this and excited about this, but it's something to get excited about. It's something for a little bit of buzz. Can they keep it up with the young core? Maybe. Uh, I still don't think the lineup is good enough to, like, outside of bias, you really don't have any true, like, Riley Green developing, Torkelson developing, still haven't, still been kind of a bust. Um, but, like, you have a lot of not true major league bats. Like, this 30-year-old Ibanez guy, he's a second-year guy from um, somewhere outside the States. Uh, and he's just been mashing for us over the last, like, two weeks. He's like a 30-year-old rookie. Like, he's clearly not that good of a player, but he's just <laughs> those kind of things do come down in averages over such a long season. So we'll see if they can keep that up. But it's just something to get excited about. I say one question. I don't want to dwindle too much on baseball, but at what point should they be maybe – I don't want to say even beyond keep this up, but let's say they break that 500 barrier and it's no longer 17 and 20. Let's say it's now 33 and 30. At what point do you start kind of thinking to yourself, hey, like, this is a team that might be – I'm going to have to say, obviously it's not a team that's ever going to compete based on the talent we know. But what's a team where we say, you know what, it might be worthwhile to pursue a division crown, given how bad the division is? Given how bad the division is, if they are – if they're f- – if there's, say, your example, three games above 500 at the All-Star break, you have a very legit chance to mm-hmm. Okay. If they're 500 at the All-Star break. Just just curiosity question, so. I think that's 85 kinda... or – I think, like, 86 games is going to win this division this year, which is terrible. I mean, the Yankees will win 86 and they'll finish dead last in the AL East. Shut up. <laughs> oh yeah, right. That's that. Is, I know that's a very soft they're, spot they're for you right now. Injured. Yeah, they are hurt, and they just played the worst team in the history of baseball. The A's got th- two out of three from them. So there you go. But 
talk about baseball talk because I know that probably bores. You know, the yeah, the, the 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 ten people listening just tur- just turned it off. They're like, "Yeah, these guys are talking <laughs> about baseball. We got to get off." Yeah, no mas. That's funny. That's funny. Anything else you want to get to as we kind of wrap up the show for this week? Not really. Um, I guess just kind of following the the playoffs, and then hopefully some other sports news story hits that is worthwhile mentioning on for next Tuesday. I don't, I really don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll have major to talk about the uh, PGA's next weekend. Ah, where is it? Where are they playing at? Um, I should know this. It's one of the famous ones. Is it? Oak Hill? it is it? Is it the country club? No, they just played it at the country club. It's, it's Oak Hill. Okay. I don't know what that is. So. I'm a casual golf fan. Uh, it's in it's in New, uh, upstate New York. Ah, of course it is. Were they gonna have like a horse track around it? I know Rochester, New York. Okay. Oh boy. But I um, I don't have much more. Um, give the last words to you and from myself to everyone who made it this far. I know this is maybe a little bit shorter of an episode and kind of quick topics. And sorry we bored you with baseball, but it was worth mentioning. Yeah. So, no. Uh, Detroit sports are our love and joy. So if the Tigers are doing something relevant, you might be hearing a lot more baseball. So if you like that or not, please let me know personally before I go off on tangents about baseball. (laughs) Have a good week. Have a good weekend. We love you. Bye, everyone.